You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. I'm so blessed to be here. Let me just uh, cut to the chase, say thank you, Jesus. Uh, God is doing beautiful things in this country. I mean, look, something must be going right when you can come to a church in Southern California where people are all hopped up about Jesus and the pastor introduces you as a patriot. Like anybody cares about that. Oh, we're not supposed to care about our country. We're... It's just kind of funny. Look, I, I mean, in all seriousness, like, it's just kind of funny. We're living in times so crazy and so stupid that there are people that think you can't say God bless America without implying goddamn all the other countries, right? Like, when did that happen that we got so weird and sensitive that you can't say, you know? And, but I, I remember this happened when 9-11, right? I remember people would say, God bless America. And it was kind of cool to hear people say that. And I thought, how sick is it that that's like a rare thing that people are saying that? But then, of course, somebody would come out and say, like, well, but what about all the other countries? And that, that's like saying, God bless you, Jimmy, to some little kid. And somebody's saying, like, are you cursing Jimmy's siblings? You know he has siblings. You just said, God bless Jimmy. And it's like, do we really need to break this down? I think life is too short to break this down. I think it's so stupid that you shouldn't even have to talk about it. You just like move on. So that's my long way of saying, whenever you say God bless something or somebody, okay, if you're talking about the God of the scripture, when God blesses somebody, by definition, every, I told you no kids in my service. Get that kid, get him out. I... When it's in my contract, no kids. Where was I? I think I better wrap it up. I think I got nothing else to say. But I just thought, you know, sometimes you have to call people out on their craziness. Do you know what I'm saying? And so there's a script. I'll tell you what, I just got a text between services from a dear friend of mine. If you know, I have a radio show and I have a, a dear friend I've had on a bunch of times. His name is Ken Fish, right? Now, Ken has an amazing anointing from God to pray for people's healing and deliverance. It, it's, it's amazing, right? It's amazing. Now, I know there are people who don't believe in that and ask me if I care. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't have time. I don't have time. It's like, yeah, yeah. If you're dying, you're going to let Ken pray for you. Believe me. So, but he sent me a text. I don't normally do this, but I just thought it, it applies to what we're talking about. He, he sent me a text. He says, I just had a conversation. I don't know why he sent this to me just to like play with my head. Right. I hate when people text me, by the way, I hate it. <laughs> Email me. Don't text me. Okay. But he writes, I just want to share this with you just to, because Really what I want to share this morning is so basic. This kind of gets to it, okay? He says, I just had a conversation with someone who actually was holding out the argument that the earth is flat and that we never went to the moon, right? Now, there are some people that would be tempted to get in a conversation with that person about how the earth is not flat. I'm not one of those people. Because what I texted back to him is, Cast ye not your pearls before swine. Now, there are a lot of Christians that would say, if you said 
don't waste your time with that fool who's, who believes the earth is flat, okay? They would say, that's not very Christian of you. Yeah, it's exactly as Christian as Jesus of Nazareth who said, cast not your pearls before swine because you're supposed to have discernment. You don't have an infinity of time. How you spend your time arguing with people or whatever, it should be God that is leading you in that. But I think there's some people they want to secularize like biblical concepts and make it sound like, no, 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 you should be gracious to everyone. Well, of course you should be gracious to everyone, but sometimes grace is manifested by turning away and saying, I'm not going to have that stupid argument because I value your time too much, not just my time, but, but your time too much. And I say this because when I think about this idea that we have to get in arguments with people about, should you love your country? Yeah, you should love your country. Even if your country is not America, just like saying, should I love my family? Should I be proud to come from my state? Yeah. Like, unless you're a fool. Like, that's what normal people do. Since the beginning of people's, of time, there's a Greek proverb, actually. As you know, um, my dad is Greek. Uh, my mom is German. I think they're watching online, which really freaks me out. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. I think they're watching online. But my dad... <laughs> My dad and my mother, I want you to think about this, right? If you're raised half Greek and half German, by definition, that means you will be raised Greek. Trust me, okay? That's just the way it is, because Greeks have this pride in being Greek, okay? Now, if you're like a really fussy religious Christian, you'd be like, oh, that's, that's wrong. We're, we're members of another kingdom. It's like, yeah, you could be a member of another kingdom and still be proud to be Greek, unless your brain isn't big enough to bring those to, like, I mean, come on. It's like common sense. Everybody already knows this, right? But there are people that act like they're more Christian than Jesus, and they'd be like, well, I don't want to say God bless America because America has some sins. And Like, yeah, like every nation comprised of human beings has sins. We already knew that. You have a point? <laughs> like, you have a point? And when you say God bless somebody or something, you might want to say God bless you, particularly if you're messed up. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'll say, God bless Tanzania, God bless Switzerland, God bless, why? Because I want God to bless every nation and to make them more like a nation that loves him. So it's just kind of funny to me that we're living at a time where there are a lot of people, they think, again, they think they're being holier than Jesus when they act like, well, oh, no, I'm not proud to be an American. I'm, I'm a member of another kingdom. Yeah. Do you vote in another kingdom or in November do you like vote for your local people? Because like... You're supposed to do both. Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's and unto God the things that are God. You don't say like, I pay taxes to another kingdom. I don't pay, like, yeah, you got to pay taxes here and you got to do. So it's almost like common sense itself has gone out the window. And so part of what I just want to say in all of this mess is to say that we have to recognize, I think, that it's the gracious, loving thing to blow somebody off when they bring up something deeply idiotic. So when somebody says to you, when somebody says to you, I think the earth is flat, most of the time, the loving Jesus thing to do would be like, I don't have time for this right now. <laughs> do, you, do you hear what I'm saying? Because when you dignify that with like a serious answer, you're always making it sound like, well, you've got a point. Let's talk about it. Because who, who's to say the shape of the earth? We've only known for like 25 centuries that it was round, but who knows? Maybe you've discovered something. Let's talk about it. And so, so when my friend Ken 
texted me today, and again, it's my buddy Ken Fish. I just laughed because I thought, we're living in a broken, sin-sick world where people will believe every insane thing. And we have to look to Jesus in the midst of the madness. Because if you try to argue people into the truth, I mean, again, if there are people that believe the earth is flat, you understand we've got some problems. There are people that believe every crazy thing, even when the evidence is right in front of their face. So I'm saying all this in part because I want to talk about apologetics a little bit, right? Now, apologetics, like all good words, it's a Greek word. You knew that, right? (laughs) The Greek word logos, the word, right? Although it's not even just the word. That's like doesn't do it justice. Logos is way bigger than the word, the word. It's like something huge and the kind of, you know, dumbed down English version is we say the word, but it's way bigger. That's why it's capitalized W, the word, right? It's the organizing principle of the universe. It's something way bigger. When you say Jesus is the logos, he's the word, whatever. But all of that is to say that the word apologetics, apo is, you know, of. So it means of the word or of the organizing principle or of the, in other words, it really means to, it doesn't mean to apologize, like to say, I'm sorry, but it means to explain something, to, to, to talk about something. So we know as Christians that there's a lot of apologetics about the Christian faith. We don't say like, hey, we believe what we believe because we believe it. We believe it because it's true and we can talk about why. But when you're living in a world where we're all half nuts, you understand that you can have the proof right there and most people just won't care, right? So you have to hold these two things in tension. I mean, I don't know if this has ever happened to you. I was talking to somebody a little earlier where they said, like, I, I had a vision from God and all this amazing stuff. And I shared it with somebody and they said, well, that's nice, like that it works for you. Like, you know, and you're like, what, what do you mean that's nice? Either I'm hallucinating, I'm lying, or I'm telling you something that should kind of blow your mind a little bit. But we live in a world where people say, like, well, that's nice. And that's actually happened to me. I've had, I've had miracles happen, like real. When I say miracles, I don't mean like a blessing. I mean like a miracle that's a mind blower when you get into the details, right? And I remember sharing with somebody who was extremely intelligent with the details. And they said, well, yeah, the mind does weird stuff sometimes. And you're like, no, you're not listening to me. Like if you want to disagree with me, that's great. You want to tell me I'm nuts, I'm hallucinating you. Maybe you have some explanation, good. But don't tell me the mind does interesting stuff. Because what I just told you is proof of a sovereign, crazy, amazing God, or I'm mistaken. But we live in a world that kind of wants to, people don't like to deal with the facts. Because look, if you say Jesus is Lord and the Bible is true, you really believe this, that's going to put some stuff on you that you're going to have to live differently. So it's nice to just kind of hold it at bay. Like we all have interesting thoughts. Isn't that nice? Let's move on with our lives. No, you, 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 can't, you can't do that. So... This is my complicated way of saying we're living in a broken, sin-sick world. And sometimes, that was, that was good. Because that's right. That's it. Like, right? So you need to get that, right? Now, part of the reason, I, I'm, I'm saying this for two reasons, because I have a book, a new book out called Is Atheism Dead? Which is mostly apologetics, right? And some of it, I will tell you, it is straight up, it is crazy evidence for God. And it's most crazy because I think, who am I 
to put this in a book. I'm not like a scientist or somebody who spent decades and decades, but over the years, I, I had a born again experience uh, when I was 20, remember my 25th birthday. And since then, I've been kind of reading all these different books. And in the last couple of years, I've kind of bumped into two people, and I do believe it was sort of miraculous, who really gave me pieces of the puzzle of, of proof for God. I thought, wow, this is next level stuff, and nobody knows about it, right? So one of them has to do with the discovery of biblical Sodom, which is it's just crazy. We're talking about 17th centuries BC, okay? According to the scripture, which is just kind of a collection of crazy folk tales, right? That in this crazy book, it says that a city named Sodom was destroyed utterly. Crazy, right? Now, even a, a Christian interested in this stuff would say, well, we're certainly never going to discover biblical Sodom. I mean, that's like, you know, that's 500 years before the Trojan War. Like, this is like way back. We're never going to discover it. Well, I met a guy, a biblical archaeologist, who said he discovered it. And of course, I think it's good to be skeptical. But when I looked into it, I thought, wait a minute. He really has discovered biblical Sodom. There's no really way around this, even if you don't believe in the scripture or even if you don't believe that, that it's actually what. The point is the details from what he discovered are borne out by what it says in scripture. It's an amazing, I mean, if you're into apologetics and biblical archeology, span you just would say like, this is one of the most amazing things I've ever read. But then the next thing is, why haven't I read about this? Like when you read something really stunning, you think like, shouldn't the whole world know about this? But this gets to the point, we're living in a world that is crazy. It doesn't acknowledge reality. We're living in a world, and, and again, it's not like we can get out of this because we're sinners, right? But I'm saying that just because something is true, just because there is evidence, just because blah, 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 doesn't mean a lot of people are gonna buy it. So you can say, I know the earth is not flat. A lot of people, they, they have something invested in believing that the earth is flat. Uh, you could say, I know Jesus is Lord and the Bible is true. And a lot of people that say, you could show me all kinds of proofs and I just don't want to believe it. So I think we have to understand what I'm saying is that there's a place for apologetics. Uh, but at the same time, you cannot prove somebody into the kingdom of heaven, right? And so you have to have that, that tension that you cannot argue somebody into the, to the kingdom. But at the same time, I don't think the Lord wants us to have like this Gnostic view where you just go, hey, who cares what anybody believes and, and whatever. It's all about the Holy Spirit. I mean, it is about the Holy Spirit, but it's also about apologetics in the sense that I shouldn't not talk about science and faith just because that's not going to prove to everybody that Jesus is Lord. It doesn't mean I shouldn't bring it up. Well, which brings me to, in the Gospel of John, the story of Lazarus, right? Some of this stuff, I tell you, the, the truer and more beautiful something is, the funnier it is at the same time, because, like, truth is funny. Can you imagine Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth, and a man who has been in a tomb for four days comes out of the tomb, right? Now, my wife and I have been reading this uh, recently. And sometimes when you read something, kind of something new pops out at it, you know? So we were, we were reading this and I thought, I'm talking about proof from the world of science in this book, I'm talking about proof in the world of archeology. span It doesn't matter what kind of proof it is. The, the fact of the matter is God cares enough 
to communicate with us. He doesn't just say, if you believe or you don't believe or whatever. He, Jesus himself did things specifically to help people believe in him. So if you don't believe in miracles or you don't believe it, Jesus did miracles to encourage people to believe in him. So that's a reality, okay? These things matter. The Lord wants to communicate to us to the extent that it's possible. But at, at the same time, even Jesus raising someone from the dead didn't prove anything to some people. There's some people, so, so what, I, what I come upon here, right? And you, you understand what I'm saying is like, so whether it's Jesus raising somebody from the dead or an amazing miracle in your life, you tell somebody the story, or uh, something from the world of science that you go like, science is pointing to God, look. Or you go archeology, span they've discovered biblical Sodom, look. The fact of the matter is some people will be moved by it and they'll come to faith. Some people won't. Some people are almost annoyed by it. Now, this is a mystery, folks. Anybody who can kind of sum this up in a second, this is a, this is a mystery, but it's a reality and it's borne out in the scriptures, right? that God loves us enough to want to communicate to us through these various methods, whatever it is. But he also knows that there are some people, this is the mystery, that you're going to lay it right out in front of them and they're going to be like, yeah, the brain does funny stuff. So I think Christians need to, to understand that both of these things are true. We're supposed to care about communicating, right? But there are limits to it. So just like when my friend Ken Fish texts me that I, I bumped into somebody who's a flat earther, they believe it. You know, you, you, you realize like there's a time to argue with somebody and there's a time to just say, I'm sorry, I'm very busy right now. I don't have time to convince you that the earth is not flat. <laughs> but ultimately, we have to rely on the Holy Spirit for discernment on this stuff. Okay. But so to get back to the story of... Uh, John, I'm sorry, from the Gospel of John, the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, because it just doesn't get more insane than, than this, okay? It, it says that, that Jesus, first of all, you, you know the story, right? That, that they came to tell him, your friend Lazarus is sick. And he deliberately puts off going back. Now, this is Jesus, so he knows what's going on. He deliberately puts off going back to Bethany. Why? It seems obvious because he really wants to blow their minds. So when Lazarus is in the tomb for four days, that's going to be more impressive than we just put him in the tomb. And in other words, there's, there's something that God is doing here, right? So it, it's an amazingly moving story because it's a friend of his. And basically Jesus is, I mean, Again, there's such irony and beauty and comedy and pathos in the scriptures, especially in a story like this, where, where Jesus knows everything that's going on. He knows that Lazarus is going to be raised from the dead. And this is right before they crucified Jesus. This is like the last mind-blowing act, almost to reveal the hearts of men. He's going to do this thing, and people are going to still hate him. So it says... It says, um, you know, again, there's this, to me, this comedy, right? You know, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. Jesus says that, right? And the disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. 
you know, like this is like an Abbott and Costello routine to me. Like, Lord, it's like, no, uh, you're, missing, you're missing it, disciples. And so it goes on like this, right? Then Jesus told them plainly, you know, it's like it doesn't say in the scripture, hey, you numbskulls, but it's implied, right? It's like Jesus, like rolling his eyes, like, I'm sorry, uh, let me break it down. Lazarus is dead, right? Like he has to break it down. Excuse me, Lazarus is dead. He has to say this to them. So there's, there's comedy here, right? And, and Jesus says, and for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe. Okay, he knows he's going to do something that, if it's real, it doesn't get more crazy than raising someone from the dead who's been in there for four days. And there's like a Hebrew tradition that, you know, I think after three days, the soul departs or whatever it was. The point is that to be in there that long, you know, was, it meant something. Like there's no chance that he slipped into a coma. There's no chance, there's no chance of any of this, right? So Jesus says, yeah, let me get to the chase. Lazarus has died, okay? He's framing this for them. So it says he gets there and then he has the conversation with Mary and Martha. And, and he says, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Now, again, this is, I always find it funny. Jesus is being deliberately coy. It's kind of, a, he's kind of an interesting, if you don't know he was God, you'd say this is a very interesting literary character, this Jesus. Because he's kind of playing with their heads a little bit. Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And then Jesus said to her, now just think of this, folks. This, he said this to her. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. What? Do you believe? Can you believe this? Maybe say, he's such a nice teacher, Jesus. This is insanity, or it's true. What kind of a nut would say something like, I am the resurrection and the life? Like, if I had a friend and I was trying to prop him up, I would say, like, let's edit that out. <laughs> that's like loony talk. You've said a lot of weird stuff, but that one, that's out. That's easy. That's out. I am the resurrection and the life. If that's true, you just want to fall on your face and worship him. Who is this man? But what breaks my heart is he's talking to Mary and Martha, whom he loves, this dear friends. He says, everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he says to his best friends, do you believe this? This is days before he goes to the cross and is resurrected. And then he's asking his friends, do you believe this? And of course, this is a question for us. Do we believe any of this? Amen. If you believe Jesus is the resurrection and the life, you're going to live your life totally differently than if you don't believe it. But we've got a lot of people in the church, some of us, people throughout history that have kind of hedged this. They've not made a decision. Do you really, 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 really believe it? So Jesus points the finger in your face and he says, do you believe this? You who love me and know me, do you believe this? If you believe this, 
that I'm the resurrection and the life, and that if you believe in me, you will never die, you're going to live totally differently. But we, you know, in places like America, we're in a very blessed culture. We can kind of hedge our bets. We can kind of say, I'm a Christian. I believe this. I believe that. But the radical level of faith in believing in this, like you don't normally need to evince that in this life. People might not see that in you. They'd be like, oh, I think he believes, or I think, I, you know. Jesus is asking, do you, be- do you believe this to them? Now, of course, Jesus then says, take away the stone. And then he says, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And then he says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. In other words, Jesus loves us enough that he did this for them to, he- to overhear this. He, didn't, he could talk to the Father without speaking publicly, but he's speaking publicly. He's doing this shtick, this performance for the souls of the people around because he cares about communicating to them. But Jesus knows, as we should know, that even this will not convince some people. So he raises him from the dead. And then a couple of, a couple of verses later, again, this is, I mean, sometimes I think it's important to see the comedy in this. Like, because it's so dramatic, you can't even believe it. It says, Many of, of the Jews, therefore, and I understand what it says, the Jews, it means the religious leaders, because everybody here is a Jew. There's no non-Jews in the group, okay? Lazarus, Mary, Martha, Jesus. Uh, now, Mary, the mother of God, of course, we know is either Italian or Greek. We got to be very clear. We know, we know she, couldn't, she couldn't be Jewish, right? No, but so literally everybody here is Jewish. We know that, okay? But it says many of the Jews, therefore, meaning the, the, the leaders, okay? who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees. I'm sorry, many of the, this is not talking about the leaders, but some some of these, these Jewish people came and they saw this and they were blown away. And then they go to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, are you ready? What are we to do? It's kind of like to put it in the colloquial English, it would be like, oh, crap. (laughs) Oh, crap. He raised someone from the dead. Now what do we do? Not he raised from someone from the dead. This must be the Messiah. What what do we do? What do we what? They're they're more kind of like, this is a bummer. He raised someone from the dead. And I just think of this, folks. And remember, the wicked human beings behind this are no different than we are. It's only by God's grace that somehow we believe this and we're able to kind of act like we're different from these Pharisees. What are we to do for the, so they say, what are we to do? For this man performs many signs. Now signs, it's really, the word is miracle, simea, wonders, right? They're acknowledging this. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. So they're not dealing with truth. They're dealing with power. They're basically saying like, we don't care about truth. Truth can go to hell. We got power. And we're not interested in, is this man from God? And he's raising people from the dead and whatever. Like, we're we're past that. We really don't care. 
We just know that if he's doing that, we're going to lose our power. Now, you got to ask the question, how sick is that? How evil is that? But not to let us off the hook, the scripture says that's you. Apart from God, that's us. We're the fools, the evil fools that say stuff like that, right? So just to keep it clear, this is not us versus them. But you have to just read this and say, Jesus is, you know, it's one thing to believe in proofs. It's one believing to believe in logic. It's one to get, but this is like real people who know that nobody's risen from the dead, okay? It's, this is not like 80 billion years ago. This is like, historically speaking, they knew 2,000 years ago that if you're dead and rotting in a tomb, you don't rise from the dead. Like, this is not like modern science has proved to us that we, okay, they knew that if something like this happens, they don't know what to make of it. They have no category. So people saw this, they marvel, they're coming to believe in him, and the religious leaders are so sick in the head that all they care about is the results. It's just an amazing thing that we have to look at. In other words, if, in other words imagine if you said like, oh, Eric's written a book uh, called Is Atheism Dead? It's got all this proof from science. I need to get this in the hands of my atheist friend. It's going to blow their mind, right? Maybe maybe it will be meaningless to them. Maybe they don't want to believe. And I just think that as Christians, we have to hold these things in tension. The Lord wants us to do what we can. Jesus didn't raise Lazarus from the dead for any reason other than wanting to blow the minds of people so they would come to faith in him. Right? I mean, to save time, Jesus could have healed him from his sniffle and never had to raise him from the dead. It was not about raising Lazarus from the dead, because by the way, I think you know what happened after Lazarus was raised from the dead. He died again. So Jesus is going out of his way to do something for the purpose of blowing people's minds and saying, I am the resurrection and the life. I have the power over life and death. Do you believe this? I mean, it's so powerful, but then you think to yourself that there are people who saw it, who got it, and didn't want to believe it, and weren't even interested in talking about it. They were just like, this, this is bad for us. Now, we have to get that, folks, because I think that there are sometimes, you know, Christians, sometimes we can be on the line over here where we're fatalistic, and we kind of act like this. nothing matters. Have you known Christians like that, that no matter what you say, like, nothing, nothing matters, so why should I even try to talk to somebody about God, or why, why should I do anything? It's all going to hell, and I can't wait. It's all going to burn. You know, we're in the end times. Bring it on. You know, that's not the voice of Jesus. But there are a lot of Christians that think they're really holy, that they're like, they're a step ahead of you. It's all going to hell, and I want to, I want to see it burn. I'm psyched. Bring it on. That's not the voice of Jesus, folks. In fact, that's the voice of the devil. Because the devil says, I don't want you to fight. I don't want you to try. Just give up now. Okay? Well, Jesus, uh, who is a pretty impressive character, he seemed to think that it was worth doing things to bring people to faith in him. And, and he said, I'm going to raise Lazarus from the dead. But he knew that some would not be moved by it. And 
I, I think we need to live there as Christians. We do what we do unto God. The results are in his hands, folks. So in other words, it's not like you don't try to convince people, but you have to have some discernment. There are some people who don't want to be convinced. And if you waste your time and their time trying to convince them of something, you're casting your pearls before swine. There's a reason Jesus said, cast ye not your pearls before swine. Now, you'll always hear sermons about Jesus always went out of his way to pray for people. He was never rushed. You always hear that, right? But he also said, cast not your pearls before swine. You're not supposed to spend your life paralyzed between here and getting to your car praying for every person. So, so you have to have wisdom and discernment. So there are times when Jesus didn't waste his time. And there are other times when he stopped and he went out of his way to do the most dramatic thing imaginable to bring people to faith. So we have to have discernment. And the only way you're going to get discernment is by having a personal relationship with Jesus. There's no textbook. There's no bullet points on what, you know. You have to walk with Jesus and walk with people who walk with Jesus to have the discernment to know when, you know, you text your friend Ken Fish, cast not your pearls before swine. Please, brother Ken, don't waste your time trying to convince this person of, of the flat earth. But I don't know if the Holy Spirit moves you to have a conversation with that person. Okay. But understand there's like no right answer. You have to have wisdom and discernment. Jesus knew that he's going to rise somebody from the dead and some people will come to faith and other people will be like, I hate you. I hate this resurrection stuff. How do we get rid of this Jesus guy? Do you know that they tried to kill Lazarus? I, I find that funny. Like that they didn't just, they, they were just like happy with getting rid of Jesus. They were like, he's bad for business, man. Let's kill, let's kill Lazarus. So we're living in a world that is so sick, folks, that we have to live in this tension. So that scripture, when Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. There's nothing more radical than that. And if you believe in that, he asks, do you believe this? Because he's saying to us, you have to choose if you believe this or not. You can't live like maybe. Now, I actually think that to get to where we are today in America, I think there are times, there are seasons where God does things to make it harder for us to have it both ways. If you saw Lazarus rise from the dead, you got problems because you're either going to believe Jesus is the Messiah and live with zero fear of death. You're going to live totally differently because you believe he defeated death. He is God. And you're going to, you're going to, you're going to fear nothing because he is the resurrection and the life. And he has told you, if you believe in me, you will never die. And in case you weren't impressed by that, he then raises Lazarus from the dead. And you know that that was real. You're there. So sometimes God puts us in a position where he makes things tough because he says, so now you're going to believe this because you saw this now, right? Or you're going to harden your heart and you're going to say, I care about power. Truth can go to hell. I don't care about truth. So there's times you can kind of have it both ways. And there's other times when God forces us to decide, what am I going to do? And I believe where we are in the country now, that there are things that are forcing people to decide. They're forcing you to decide, do I really believe this? When Jesus says, do you believe this? Now, I'm living in a crazy world where 
you know, 10 minutes ago, somebody decided there's no such thing as male and female, right? So like, I have to count the cost. Am I gonna live in a world where I go like, okay, or am I gonna maybe at some point on a school board or something, that am I gonna say something? And am I afraid to say something? Am I afraid what people are gonna think of me? Am I afraid I'm gonna lose power? The, the, the Pharisees were, were really worried. They said, what are we to do? For this man performs many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone believe in him, will believe in him and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. If I don't do this and this and this and this, well, I'm going to lose all kinds of stuff. I can't get into a, a restaurant or a concert because I didn't get the vaccine. Uh, I, can't, I can't go to the cocktail party because I have doubts about the election. Like, I've got to just, like, shut up about everything if I want to continue to have what I have. Or I could be free. And I can just say, I'm... So I believe, I honestly believe that the Lord has brought us to a place like this in, in our culture where the crazy is so crazy that the Lord is saying, okay, do you believe? Because if you believe, you now are deputized to live totally freely with the joy of the resurrected life that you're not, a, what is the worst thing they could do? Do you kill you? Well, guess what? I have defeated death. Now, if you believe in that, we can really do some amazing things together. We can walk fearlessly in a world crippled by fear. And there are going to be some people who are going to see you walking fearlessly in a world crippled by fear. And they're going to say, I don't know what you have, but I find it really intriguing and compelling. You really believe this stuff? Now, the fact of the matter is this stuff is true. But there's times when people don't care. But there's times when things get dramatic where people care more than they normally would. I think there are a lot of people in America right now, look, they might have hated Trump, they might have this, that, but they see quietly, they're watching and they're saying, I don't know what is happening, but this is not good. I mean, everybody cares about like insane gas prices, but that's like the tip of the tip of the tip of the tip of the iceberg. We're talking about Marxist atheism coming into every part of our culture and it's pushing Christians around saying, do you believe? Do you believe you're just going to sit back and take this? Because if you do, you deserve it. I have given you everything you need to know. I am the resurrection and the life. What do I need to do to convince you to live freely, to speak freely, and to know that there are people everywhere in your world hungry for what you supposedly have? And they're looking to you to show them, yes, you believe it. Have you ever heard the story of somebody says like, uh, they put like a, a tightrope across Niagara Falls and they got a wheelbarrow and they say to the crowd, hey, I'm gonna walk across the tightrope with the wheelbarrow. You believe I can do it? Everybody's like, yeah. And so one of the people says, yeah. He's like, okay, you, get in the wheelbarrow. <laughs> Aren't you gonna find out who believes at a time like that? Because in the, in the West and in the evangelical post-enlightenment world, we talk about what I believe intellectually. God and the devil are not interested in what you believe intellectually. God and the devil and your friends and your enemies and your relatives, they see what you believe by how you live. 
You, you can say all you want. What do you believe? Well, if you go to my, uh, the church's website, there's a statement of faith. That's what I believe. That is called a fig leaf. That is, that is meaningless, folks. You, God sees what you believe by how you live. And I really believe the Lord has brought us to a season where we are being forced to answer that question, do you believe? If you believe, now is the time for you to stand up because there's a host of people totally looking around like, I don't know what to think. Things are, things are going crazy. Do you believe this stuff? Do you believe this stuff? So you can have all the evidence you want, okay? I mean, I, I didn't talk about my book, but the point is the evidence from science has now become overwhelming to the point where I would say to somebody who says like, I believe there's no God, I would say that's like saying I believe the earth is flat. I, I can't really take you seriously at this point because science is pointing to God like really dramatically, you know, and I, obviously I put a lot of it in the book, but there's way more. It's just like, it's pretty clear. So we're living at a weird time where I think people are running out of options. God is deliberately sifting and deliberately saying, okay, I'm going to make you, I'm going to find out what you believe. You're going to find out what you believe. If you're in the middle of a war, this happened to Bonhoeffer. When everything is going to hell around you and people are dying, you think about what's important. You can't pretend like everything's fine. And you, you, you have to really think, is God real? Did he defeat death on the cross? Is he the resurrection and the life? You, you're forced to decide. I really believe in America today and in the West generally, we, we are at a moment where the Lord has allowed things to get so crazy that people are, are being forced to think, what, what is happening? I can't go with the status quo anymore. But at the same time, I believe, just like in this moment when he raises Lazarus from the dead, he has given us information, and again, just speaking about what's, what's in my book, information from science, information for, that we've never had before. So we don't have the excuse like, hey, who's to say? 50 years ago, you could say who's to say. I mean, the, 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 the title of the book, just so you understand where I'm going with this, 1966, Time Magazine puts out a cover article that says, Is God Dead? Because the narrative in the culture was science is pushing religion out, right? Well, ironically, in the 50 or so years since then, even though newspapers aren't talking about it much, but I'm just here to tell you, science has been pointing more and more and more and more and more to the idea that there's not a chance there's no God. And so in a funny way, God in his sovereignty, because we don't know why God does what he does when he does, but he's, it seems to me at this time saying that the proof, just like when Lazarus came out of the tomb, it is so overwhelming. Now we're going to see who loves the truth and who is scared to death and hates the truth. We're living in a time like that. The evidence becomes overwhelming. And I just think we're at a time like that right now. And I want to say to you, folks, you know, just like Jesus went out of his way to lead people to himself. He didn't say, I don't care. I don't think he was a Calvinist. I think, I think he had this idea that some people could be persuaded by things like Lazarus rising. I, I put that aside. We'll edit, we'll edit that out. But the point is that we need to make an effort. We need to make an effort. Jesus made an effort. 
to lead people to himself. But we also need to know there are people who will see miracles, who will be presented with evidence, whatever. And all they will say is, how do we, you know, what do we do now? The Romans will come and take away. I'll lose my tenure. I'll lose my job. I'll lose this. That's what they're worried about. Now we know that's insane. That's insane. Because if you believe in truth and you believe God is the God of life and death, he will worry about your job. He will worry about your income. He will worry about these things. We're at a moment, folks, where I really do believe the evidence is so overwhelming at the same time that the world is full of troubles. And so I think Jesus says to us, do you believe? If you believe these things, you will live differently. You will pray for strangers. You'll do all kinds of stuff. You won't be paralyzed. You, you won't be doing that to the point where, you know, you're, 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 you're not keeping your appointments and stuff. You're still going to live in this world, but you're going to live differently. People are going to see it. And people whom the Lord has chosen, to get Calvinist for a second, they, they will respond. So cast ye not your pearls before swine, but also understand that there are many out there who are not swine, who when they see your pearls, they're going to be, I've been waiting for you. I've been waiting for this. Let me close in prayer. Father God, we ask you to deputize us, Lord, to be on fire for you, to know these are the last days that you have given each of us a brief season to shine for you and to do things to your glory. Lord, give us the discernment and the wisdom and the love to be utterly yours in every second we have while we're here until we see you face to face. Amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.